0: You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith.
1: Hi, and welcome to Form Now. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Klein, here with my colleague, Dr. John Sehorn. We teach here at the Augustan Institute. And thank you for joining us for our series on the Confessions We're in our fifth session uh, and we are going to talk about the confessions as prayer so in a previous episode when we were talking a lot about the confessions as autobiography we mentioned the opening line uh, and that there's kind of an anti-autobiographical quality to the opening line you know augustine is uh, not uh, talking about himself he's not talking to his audience but directly to god Mm -hmm. and so i wanted to kind of look at that opening line again Uh, and just talk about um, some other aspects of it that give us a key to the genre of the confession. So just one, 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 the very (laughs) opening line. Uh, Great are you, O Lord, and exceedingly worthy of praise. Your power is immense and your wisdom beyond reckoning. So something that's uh, additionally interesting about this line beyond what we already said is that not only is Augustine not talking about himself, not talking to his audience, but to God, but he's not even speaking in his own words. He's using the words of the Psalms. Uh, and so if you're trying to kind of figure out a genre for the confessions, at least one good candidate is prayer. Uh, Augustine spends a lot of the confessions praying to God and the entire thing is addressed to God. Uh, and he often does it in the words of the Psalms, which are, of course, the chief Language uh, of the church. Uh, as we talked about in our last episode, another sign that this is an ecclesial text is the language of the church and the language of prayer that Augustine knows uh, sort of most deeply. Mm. And so if we think about, uh, you know, kind of arguing, yes, the confessions, the genre of confessions is prayer, uh, that might seem a little bit weird. You know, why would you choose to write uh, your confessions as a prayer? Uh, and Augustine, of course, uh, as Dr. Seahorn mentioned last, last episode, he didn't know other people were going to read it. You know, this isn't like his private diary. Uh, and so, so, do you have some maybe thoughts to kick us off on that point. Why would you choose to write confessions as a prayer?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question and one that has exercised greater minds than mine for a long time. And I'll admit that the first time I read the Confessions and sort of dealt with the the way it was littered with with the psalms, and so forth, you know, I found it attractive, but I was also flummoxed by it, Um, wasn't quite sure what to make of it. Um, You know, there are a lot of passages I think that we could look at to get some light on this. Um, You know, we could go back and look even more at the beginning of book one and Augustine sort of wrestling with what it means to seek God, what what would it really mean to praise God, which is what we're made to do. What does it mean to know him? Uh, How do we speak about God? How do we speak about ourselves? accurately, right? Um, and I think that, um, though, that that a, a, another good place to go would be the beginning of book five, um, where we actually sort of get an answer, I think, to some of these, some of these things. Um, it's it's a really beautiful, I mean, really, the, a great exercise in the Confessions is to go through and read the kind of prefaces or introductions mm-hmm. to each of the books. They're very, very rich, and you see a lot of the connections. And it helps you see the the sort of threads that Augustine is developing across, um, uh, all 13 books. I also should mention by the way that, that there are people who have gone through and actually, um, sort of chunked out sections of the confessions that you can use simply as, um, a prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps the most famous, uh, is the one in book 10 that begins late. Have I loved you Lord? Um, really beautiful prayers that of Augustine's that, that we can make our own. Um, so here's the, the beginning of book five, um, Augustine says, except the sacrifice of my confessions from the hand that is my tongue, uh, which seems a little anatomically confused uh, until we sort of work with Augustine on the imagery here, right? Already in the Old Testament, uh, God's people Israel knew that the sacrifice that God demanded was more than just sort of bringing animals and going through the motions of certain ritual prescriptions, right? Uh, there was no confusion about that among uh, the Israelites, even though that can be you know, a danger that the people might fall into. Um, and we see already, um, I would argue in, in Torah itself, in the Pentateuch, but certainly in the prophets mm-hmm. and maybe above all in the Psalms and the wisdom literature, a deeper and deeper recognition um, that know that the sacrifice that God really desires um, is our heart, right? That that's what he really wants from us. And um, that this is something that uh, as rational speaking animals, we're gifted to be able to express in language, right? Which is one of the most powerful ways um, that we sort of image God, right? God the Father has an eternal word and our words are not eternal, they're temporal, they come and go, but our speech can actually be conformed to that word, um, okay. So that was a long digression to explain why it's a hand, right? That's often mm-hmm. a sacrifice, but it's his tongue, a tongue which you have formed and aroused to confess your name. It's actually referring back to something we saw, and on, on the very first page, mm-hmm. I think in maybe our first episode, right, that God um, excites us, he stirs us up to want to praise him. Augustine goes on, heal all my bones and let them say, Lord, who is like to you? And he goes on and on from there. And he says, let my soul praise you so that it may love you and let it confess your mercies before you so that it may praise you. Your whole creation does not cease or keep silent from your praise, nor does every spirit through a mouth turn to you. Nor do animals and corporeal things through the mouths of those who meditate upon them, so that our soul may arouse itself to you out of its weariness, resting first on the things that you have made and passing on to you who made those things in so wonderful a way. Okay, that's a really dense paragraph, denser than I realized when I started reading it, but that's okay. Um so I think I think to kind of try to try to bring it full circle and get get back to just that question, you know, what's what in a way is the point of prayer and why would the confessions he presented his prayer. Because when we turn away from God in sin, we're actually turning against the grain of all of creation, right? All of creation, which proclaims the glory and the wisdom of God, uh, and above all, our own creation and the invitation that God has given us to participate in his word through our speech. And so through prayer, especially when that prayer is formed by God's Word uh, in the Psalms mm-hmm. uh, and, and other passages from Scripture, right, um, that speech becomes, as Augustine says, healing. It's something that heals our bones, mm-hmm. right, that, that heals the wounds uh, of sin and then rejoins us uh, into the kind of actually the natural flow of, of all of creation.
1: So, that I mean, so then what you're kind of saying is that prayer in a way encompasses the inner dynamic of conversion, right? Why would you write your conversion as a form of prayer? Well, what is, what is conversion? A conversion, you know, literally is a kind of turning, right? So Mm -hmm. that prayer represents that I have turned away from my sin, from my, from my pride, uh, and I've reoriented myself towards something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason that the confessions can, he continues to pray and pray all the way through it is that this is something we talked about um, before in, in just talking about his autobiography is that that process of conversion is not something that happens in a moment and then we can sit back smugly and narrate it in the past tense. But it's something that he understands to has to continue happening and has to continue happening in the present moment as he's mm-hmm. telling the story. And so he he prays through his story uh, because that's the only way for him to get through the story and have it still be part of a process of conversion, that process of turning back to God, uh, and and also what I, I get from what you're saying is that, um, in a way, the fact that he prays the confessions is evidence of the conversion. It shows that he what has happened to him, right. um, and <clears throat> primarily how it shows what has happened to him is in the fact that opening line is not just a prayer; it's not a petition. It, it's, a, it's an act of praise. And so we talked about mm-hmm. how confession for Augustine is, first and foremost, a confession of praise and not of sin. And so in that first line, he shows that who he has become. Uh, he has become the type of person who praises God, which is, which is what we're made for. And that he goes on to say that, uh, say that in book one. And so there is a kind of uh, fittingness um, in the genre to show you both what has happened to him and what is happening to him. Uh, and it really does make the text a very, like, it's very live, you know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. f- it doesn't feel very pat. This doesn't feel like the conversion story talk he's given like 42 times at all the parishes. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't it, feel like d- that. It, it like, crackles. It,
1: yeah. And it, you know, you feel his anxiety, yeah. uh, in a way yeah. that, that sometimes is a little bit annoying, like just give at me this
0: un- uncomfortable you know, or just
1: like, give me the story, you know, yeah. just, you know, why are you, why, yeah. why is this hand wringing? Um, Uh, But he does really feel that that's that's the essence of conversion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, um, that point you make about um, his anxiety kind of in trying to express himself is really important, right? I mean, Augustine is, let's not underestimate what an accomplished um, uh, rhetorical master he is. So at, at one level, he's very much in command of his language, Mm-hmm. Right. But at another level, he he's deeply, deeply suspicious precisely of that command of language. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because he he knows how practiced we are at using our speech to deceive, um, to to self aggrandize, mm-hmm. uh, to belittle others, to, you know, to to praise ourselves, to do mm-hmm. to do all these things other than praise. And so, you know, one thing that that. Is maybe a little bit puzzling at first about the text, but I think it's really important. Is you might say, well, Augustine, okay, that's really nice. You have the Psalms in there, but you know, isn't extemporaneous prayer better? Just pray from your heart. Just you know, say what you think, right? Or, or alternatively, like, why are you writing this? Why don't we all just sit down and pray the Psalms? So. What do you make, Dr. Klein of the this sort of like interesting mixture of Augustine's own words, but sort of like remixing the psalms as he goes? Yeah,
1: that's really interesting. I think it's really important to draw attention to how um heavily he uses the psalms, and at points it's just like he's stringing the psalms together. Uh, and I think it's it is related to the point you just made about kind of how um how deep the self-deception goes in our use mm-hmm. of language. And Augustine, you know, Augustine's not, he's not super optimistic about the human condition, if you've read a lot of Augustine. And so he would think that he, would he doesn't think, even like
0: babies, right? He doesn't <laughs> even
1: like babies. It's true. Uh, he would think the idea that you can kind of just like, you know, I'm praying to God and I'm open to him. Uh, and therefore, conversion's going to happen and that, you know, everything's going to be great. Like that, that that's really optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's kind of a vouchsafe uh, for an authentic prayer life, and that comes through through the scriptures and in the liturgy. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. centers our forms of prayer uh, and what makes us really conform our language to the language of God. It really yeah. breaks us in, and that's what he thinks scripture does. And so for Augustine to be meditating so much on the Psalms that he can pray in this way, you know, he thinks, you know, he's letting scripture be the measure of the man rather than vice versa. Like, that's, mm. what, he's, that's what he's attempting to do. Uh, Especially as he's telling autobiography, what's what's the measure of that story? How is it to be told? Well, the measure is the story of salvation. Uh, The measure is scripture, and so there's a little, you know, whatever advertisement for our next episode. You know, why does he go on then to just talk about scripture at the Mm -hmm. end of the confessions? The seed is already here, right? You have both sides of that mixture you're talking about. You have autobiography told in the words of scripture, then gives way to an interpretation of scripture, which is supposed to be the measure of how we understand time, space, the world and everything. That's, that's the end. You
0: know, it's, it's interesting too, that um, the way that you put it here, it sort of suggests to me that we can almost see Augustine um, as sort of taking up a phenomenon that we already see in scripture itself. Uh, Dr. Gray loves to talk about how, if you read the Psalms carefully, um, what you find is um, you know, is, is, is a psalmist who has actually done what Psalm 1 says to do, which is to meditate on God's mm-hmm. law day and night. And so what you find is all of these echoes and allusions and threads from Torah, right? From from the books of the law um, that are now sort of recast as prayer. It's not simply repeating those words, right? But recast mm-hmm. as the words of the psalmist. And And then maybe at another level, we could look at at Our Lady's Magnificat in Luke chapter one, similar thing where um, virtually every line of the Magnificat, Mary's prayer of of rejoicing when she visits Elizabeth um, is drawn from scripture, but she's not just quoting a Psalm, Mm -hmm. right? She's allowed her own heart and now her tongue, her tongue can be a hand that offers a sacrifice, (laughs) right? Um, But that's been so formed by God's word, right? And by the mercy and love um, that that is the true heart of that word, that she can now speak speak that as her own words. And, um, and you know, it, it seems to me too that by offering the confessions as a prayer, um, Augustine also might be asking us to sort of join in, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really beautiful aspect of the confessions is that it's not only Augustine sort of praying through his own life, but kind of de facto is inviting us to do the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, One kind of hint of this that I like to point out is that uh, in Augustine's time when you read a text, you typically would read it out loud hmm. uh, and this is actually evident in the confessions itself he comes upon ambrose in his study and finds ambrose reading silently without moving his lips and it's like whoa <laughs> this guy he's never really seen something never like, that seen like before. Something. so yeah. it, and of course this is you know this is unusual yeah it's yeah. unusual not unique but unusual uh and so if you think about that in terms of augustine's readership <clears throat> what that means is if you read the confessions you literally were just praying hmm. uh, and so augustine kind of by definition Draws his reader into the activity of conversion like he's inviting them uh, into the church uh, sort of through this communal act of prayer and then inviting them into the church because what are they praying well they're praying the church's words or they're praying the words of the psalms uh, and so I think that's a, a dimension of sort of the genre of the confessions
0: yeah no I love that that um, you know and I, I think that that sort of brings us back to something we talked about in the last episode which is the ecclesial right the the, the church oriented character of not just this text but augustine's whole vision of the christian life um you know sometimes you ask people what's augustine's biggest work they'll say the city of God, right? They'll say that's the longest one, but that's actually not right. At least mm-hmm. if you asked Augustine, he would say it was his expositions of the Psalms, which he wrote in, in they're, they're kind of in different conditions. Some are just notes, some are sermons he actually gave, some are more polished than others. Um, but he commented sometimes, often more than once mm-hmm. on all of the 150 Psalms. And it took him what, 30 years or so mm-hmm. to get through all of them. But he very clearly regarded that as a single work, and it's like six volumes long. It's mm-hmm. much bigger, than, much City bigger of God, than the City of God, right? um, But that's really telling. He he saw that as, in many ways, perhaps his most important um, kind of exegetical uh, pastoral work, mm-hmm. um, teaching the church to pray the Psalms uh, together.
1: It, I was just reminding me one of the very first classes I took as a graduate student was. Uh, Augustine on the Psalms compared with uh, John Chrysostom on the Psalms Hmm. and I remember the professor asking us why would Augustine have five six volumes of homilies on the Psalms and like everyone in the class is just looking around like an idiot like we had no idea He's like uh like li- 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 the liturgy like this is like <laughs> you know I, because you know a bunch of Protestants, who have no idea what's happening uh, and and so you have this the intersection of um sort of the the scriptures and the church's prayer those things just really come together in Augustine's love of the psalms hmm. uh, and this is a very evident in his kind of theology by which he interprets the Psalms. We mentioned it a little bit in the last episode, this Mm -hmm. theology of the totus Christus, the whole Christ. Mm -hmm. And so Augustine has this uh, idea taken from Paul that the church is the body of Christ. uh, And he really takes that very seriously, that to speak of Christ as whole and entire, we're speaking of, you know, Christ the head, Christ in his divinity, And then Christ in his humanity, which takes up all of us together with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in the Psalms, Augustine says it's Christ speaking. And you're like, no, Augustine, it's not the Christ speaking, actually. It's it's David, or, you know. Uh, But what he means by that is it's the church speaking. But he really does mean that that's therefore Christ speaking. You know, by Mm -hmm. Christ becoming incarnate, he takes up all of the voices of humanity, he's able to speak in our voice. And reconfigure them according to himself. Right. And so Augustine perfectly well understands that the Psalms were written before Christ and you know that they reflect historical circumstances at the time, but that by Christ's incarnation, he speaks them all in his own voice, mm-hmm. and that we can see ourselves uh, and him in them. And it, it makes for some very, very striking interpretations um, to think of Christ. Speaking of himself as a sinner or something—that's that's, that's right. scandalous in the Psalms—and right. uh, and Augustine really takes that seriously as well. Christ is speaking with his body, and he's able to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then and then that invites our imitation as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and it's true, right, that um, uh, we have again individual personal relationships with God, but never never kind of in isolation from the church, and um, and this is something that Augustine really learned um very deeply i mean he you know when you look at places in the confessions where he sort of acknowledges the fact that he'll have a reading public besides god um mm-hmm. right and it's interesting to see what he says about it um he talks in book 10 about how he hopes that those who who hear his words here um when they see god's grace will share his thanksgiving right and then when they see um you know how far he sells to go that they'll they'll pray for him and then a little later on he says this is in chapter four of uh, of book ten. Such is the benefit from my confessions, not of what I have been, but of what I am, which is about what he's about to talk about, kind of where he is now in his spiritual journey. That I may confess this not only before you, God, in secret exultation with trembling, and in secret sorrow with hope, but also in the ears of believing sons of men, partakers of my joy and sharers in my mortality. My fellow citizens and pilgrims with me, those who go before me and those who follow me, and those who are companions on my journey. So this this sort of prayerful ascent to God is is something that is um that is communal. Mm-hmm. In um, you know, in one of those expositions of the Psalms, it's the one on in his numbering, Psalm 119 in our Bibles would be Psalm 120, which is the first of the Psalms of Ascent mm-hmm. that are pilgrimage songs as as Israelites would go to worship in Jerusalem. And Christians took them over um, and and prayed them as the the prayers of pilgrims on their way to the heavenly Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. right? And and Augustine is is sort of talking there about that dynamic of climbing the mountain of the Lord together, coming from the valley to the mountain, and recognizing that we only do this through Christ, who is the mountain, who is our true home, Mm -hmm. but who also entered the valley and became our way home. And he connects this then to Jacob's vision of the ladder, right? Where there, there, are, um, there are figures as both ascending and descending on the ladder. He says, well, maybe those who are descending are backsliders, right? You know, it's like mm-hmm. they're starting to head to heaven and then they, they mess up, they're backsliding. He says, but it doesn't say they're falling. It says they're descending. And he actually says that, no, those are also saints, right? Who, um, who like Jesus, descend in order to help others Ascend, mm-hmm. right? And so, the the ascent of prayer is not just this sort of program of self realization, of moral perfection, of just getting, of winning at life, as okay. Dr. Klein likes to talk about, right? It's actually one of imitating Christ's self emptying um, for the sake of others.
1: Yeah, that's actually perfect to to just the thing I wanted to kind of segue from this episode to what we're going to talk about next episode. I just wanted to talk about the opening of book 11, because in the next episode, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about the final three books, and this really (coughs) hammers home the point that you're making. Uh, So I'm just going to read a few lines from the opening. It says, "Uh, eternity belongs to you, O Lord, so surely you can neither be ignorant of what I am telling you, nor view what happens in time as though you were conditioned by time yourself. Then why am I relating all this to you at such length? certainly not in order to inform you. So he's really asking the question that we've been asking, like, why are you talking to God? He already knows, you know. Uh, I do it to arouse my own loving devotion toward you and that of my readers, so that together we may declare great is the Lord and exceedingly worthy of praise. So you see at the beginning of book 11, Augustine repeats the same Psalm, the same thing he he said at the very opening. So what is the point of writing this so that I can show you and I can arouse myself to continue to say, great are you, O Lord. And so that together, my readers will say with me, greater you, O Lord. And exceedingly worthy of praise. That's such
0: a great point. Yeah.
1: Uh, and so, and this is also really an interesting point that he does this because book 10 ends the autobiography and book 11 starts the scriptural interpretation. And so this is his way of saying, this is what it looks like to say it together. And so hopefully that's... A teaser. Uh, and you'll join us for the next episode where we'll talk about the last three books of the Confessions and the Confessions as Scriptural Interpretation.
0: You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content,